0: Um, just go there and search for Adam Swim Silly that's Adam Swim Silly S-C-I-L-L-Y all donations greatly appreciated thank you for helping me to support Calm and now on with Monkey Tennis
1: wow nice yeah what you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear and t-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds yeah that plush. And the best part, for every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com ACAST, code ACAST.
2: Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable.
3: Aha! Dan! Monkey tennis? In no way, you big bastard, you're a mentalist! Dan! Sorry uh, that was the noise. Monkey tennis? I got, uh, really drunk last night. Sick everywhere. Monkey tennis? Uh, minor criticism, more distance between the eggs and the beans. Monkey tennis? I wish things had turned out differently, but I'm glad they didn't. Monkey tennis? Where's my assistant? I do not know. You're like cocaine. basically, beef tea. Yeah, 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 yeah. Are you on an E? Monkey tennis? Back of the net.
0: Hello, friends, and welcome to Monkey Tennis, the Alan Partridge fan podcast. I'm Adam Brooks, and I'm joined by Tom Dark.
2: Can I have a glass of water, please? Nick Older. That'd be Valentine's Day.
0: <laughs> and Tom Stab. Can I have a glass of water, please? My mouth is dry. Uh, so we would like to wish you all a very happy Valentine's Day. Uh, but Woo! this this episode should be reaching you. this episode should be reaching you on february the 14th although we're recording it a few days before where steve coogan has sadly just lost out on a bafta sorry steve um this episode is not as you might expect about chocolate mousse dirty protests or songs (laughs) dedicated to ladies with cigarettes hanging out of their mouths Uh, this episode exists because february 14th is the day we're officially allowed to tell you what we learned when we went to see the first two episodes of this time with alan partridge at the bbc of all places um, be real. <laughs> so uh, let's talk a little bit about what we will talk about in this episode and what we won't. Firstly, we yeah. should say this episode won't be spoiler heavy. We've decided not to talk about the specific content of the episodes we saw because we will obviously be coming to you episode by episode, uh, talking more about that once the series is on the BBC. Uh, and crucially,
4: so... and crucially, we'd probably get told off if we did. <laughs> That's true, yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs>
2: what we're going to do now is a line-by-line
0: reading of the <laughs> yeah. episode. No, we're not, we're not.
2: But well, we like actually, to- all they did say was that, that, that we're out of embargo by the 14th of February, so yep, that's true. in theory we could, but I don't think that'd be uh, what anybody would want. No,
0: exactly. Uh, so what we will be talking about is obviously the experience of going to the preview screening at the BBC. Uh, they had a Q&A with uh, Steve Coogan and uh, Neil and Rob Gibbons, who wrote and directed the series uh, after that. So we'll be talking a bit about what was discussed during that. Uh, and also the general themes and the setup of the new series, um, as well as the teaser trailer that you will have seen. In fact, by the time this episode goes up, there's every chance there will be a, a longer trailer as well. But uh, at the time of recording, we're talking about the 40 second teaser.
2: Yeah, I, I think based on if if we had to put a bet on it, based on what the BBC told us about them wanting February fourteenth to be Valentine's Day, I would imagine the day we're putting this episode out, there's probably another trailer, and we probably know what date the first episode is going to air.
0: Mm-hmm. So let's start with uh, the, the BBC uh, experience. Um, obviously, we'll try and dial down our smugness to appropriate levels. <laughs> but, uh, but as you can imagine, we're, we're, we're very excited uh, to see new Alan. I mean, I'm sure a lot of you are, 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 are as excited, maybe more excited. Let's just say as excited. Uh, so um, somebody want to set the scene?
4: Yeah, I can do. We uh we received our our invitations written from Alan. Um we've shared them yep. on our social so you can go and have a look at those. Um or have a look at that, sorry. Um and I think we were all uh one incredibly honored and two incredibly excited to be able to have this opportunity. Like I I was I was so buzzing that we got an invite. I
0: couldn't wait. Yeah. Uh, it also felt a bit full circle for me because I went to the old BBC TV studios about 20 20- 20 years ago to see ep- bits of episode 1, bits of episode 3 of I'm Alan Partridge being filmed so to go back again in uh, even more esteemed surroundings and not have to queue outside for two hours like I did the first <laughs> time was uh, was really exciting
2: That, might, that tra- might be something worth explaining actually about um, this time which isn't any kind of spoiler, the fact that uh, obviously, if you've been kind of following developments with the recording process of the series, they've recorded all six episodes already and it's all in the can. Um, so there is no kind of live studio audience kind of laughter track or anything like that because I think some people I've seen over the past few weeks kind of asking mm. things like, oh, how do we get tickets and things like that? But obviously, it's been very much a in-studio, closed recording process. So it's a different thing to... Obviously, how I'm Alan Partridge, uh, Series 1 and 2, played out. So, uh,
4: luckily, there were no issues with security, and we were all ushered through uh, without incident. <laughs> um, Jed wasn't there, that's that's Although,
5: why. Would anyone else agree that the security setup at the BBC is genuinely on par with uh, something that you'd expect with a regional airport such as Birmingham or, or Manchester? Yes, I would, yep.
2: Uh, so you're oh, saying it, it's
5: like scans. three three different like security setups and checkpoints. Are you saying it's
2: better than choristers? It's like
0: going into the Gaza Strip. <laughs> <laughs> it's better than choristers, yeah, definitely.
2: So that's why Jed wasn't there, basically, isn't it? Because there's no way he would have passed the security. Oh God, no, like, absolutely no, not. They wouldn't, no. He
0: doesn't. He, he wouldn't even get through the revolving door. No, <laughs> he finds them confusing.
4: Uh, so yeah, we we we, we got in. Um, we were there. Um, I think. I mean, I, I'm probably just speak. Possibly just speaking for myself here, but there was a real sort of sense of occasion. There was a real sort of atmosphere mm. of of you know the importance of of what we were about to see. You know, the return of Alan to the BBC was. You could tell that there was a kind of there was an excitement in the room. People were people were ready for it.
2: Definitely, oh, and I, I think you could you could tell that they, they'd really put the extra effort in. Like if you went to. A TV screening for a new series, I think it would normally be quite run-of-the-mill, but the fact they had like all the Allen cutouts that people could get photos with, um, all of This Time branding that was there, so they had the This Time logo on screens all around, uh, they had all the This Time mugs with uh, lovely cheese straws inside. Uh, yeah, I, it felt like they put in there was quite a lot of attention to detail to, to make it feel like a special event, more so than I think with a traditional screening, I think.
0: Um, also, one important touch that I didn't experience firsthand because I didn't use the loo at the BBC, but uh, a number of you uh, made toilets. So uh, was there anything Alan related you want to tell us about that experience? Uh,
2: yeah, a couple of us did uh, use the facilities and, uh, yeah, there was a, quite an unexpected Alan voiceover happening in the toilets. Um, so we, let's be honest, we did take a, a cheeky recording of that so we can uh, drop that in here so you, the listener, can also experience the... Uh, toilet-based Alan fun.
0: There we go, lovely. Um, it's worth us mentioning that that probably is that is an excerpt from an episode of this time, but its context will become apparent when you uh, when you see the episode itself. Um, we talked a little bit about about the sense of occasion. I mean, one thing that surprised me. I'm, I'm about to get your get your uh, get your steel toe cap boots out because I'm about to name drop like a <laughs> motherfucker. It's but, gonna be um, Clang City. But I, I was very much expecting this to be a screening for journalists. But, um, but there were a number of, uh, of famous faces, uh, a lot of very well-known comedians. And I guess in hindsight, I realize a lot of comedians that probably were raised on Partridge who are now doing yeah. massive things in their own right. So um, let's, uh, let's name drop like crazy. Uh, ben Elton was there. Hiring for
5: your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place.
2: Yeah, uh, uh, Greg Davies.
4: Noel Gallagher. Yeah. Noel
2: Gallagher. I, I think that's probably the biggest name outside of somebody in the world of comedy as well. It seemed to be yeah. like it was kind of a who's who British comedy plus Noel Gallagher. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and obviously
0: he was interviewed by Alan back in the day for Comic Relief, was it? So that, yeah. a, that
3: ties into Yeah, in and, and
2: uh, Noel and Coogan are friends, basically. I think they are kind of. In a, in a circle of friends as it were mm-hmm. uh, the People Just Do Nothing cast they were all there yep uh, um, also the,
0: the Staff let Flats cast were there yes um, uh,
2: Jamie and Natasha I think uh,
0: yes that's yep. right Dimitri uh, yep, amongst others other members of the cast as well oh. uh, Mackenzie Crook sat next to me for the entirety of this screening oh yeah he
2: did didn't was, he uh, how, how was that was he loving it
0: uh, I mean was he loving sitting next to you oh, <laughs> well obvi- obviously because I left him alone because I'm trying to be nice uh, but um yeah, I mean, he, he definitely had a smirk or two. Uh, he wasn't laughing out loud like me, but then I am, I am an Alan aficionado born and bred. Uh, and we, and had
2: to, we had to prove um, how thrilled we were to be there by laughing yes. louder than anybody else. Exactly. Because we, we, um, we probably shouldn't really have been there.
0: <laughs> yeah. Miles My, Jupp was also there. He was, yeah. Partridge yeah. alumni. Yes. Uh, uh, Philomena yes, Cunt. Yes, Diane, yeah, Morgan, Diane Morgan, Morgan. Philomena yeah. uh, Daisy Donovan was there as well.
2: I wish Blaine I Linahan. did. I didn't see her. Yeah.
0: Yep. Uh, in the John house.
2: Coulshaw. Yes. Uh, the Paperboy from Spaced. Brilliant. Yes. Uh, his name is actually Tony Way. And fun fact uh, there was a point earlier in the evening when Adam and I saw him from behind and thought it was Nick. Sorry, Nick. <laughs> uh, the Paperboy from yes. Spaced um
0: <laughs> and let's talk briefly about about cast so all the principal cast were there steve coogan was obviously there neil and rob gibbons were there uh tim key was there felicity yep. montague aka lynn was there yep. um and obviously uh, the new blood uh, Susanna fielding who plays alan's co-host jenny gresham was there um, yeah. was
1: anyone
4: was anyone familiar with her before seeing her in the show I feel like she's
5: done bit parts in a variety of shows throughout the years, but nothing hugely notable. I think it's fair to say that this is going to massively break her into the mainstream and launch her Hollywood career. I I think
2: she's actually been in quite a lot of significant roles, but just of things that we haven't necessarily seen. I think she's been in some quite big uh, BBC dramas and stuff like that. I mean, I could look at IMDb, but I can't be bothered. Um, But she's also been in a few episodes (coughs) of Black Mirror quite recently as well, which... I ah. think we all know her from. Yes, um, I was just oh, yeah. gonna. Que- okay, so question to the group because there were, there was such a cast of uh, British comedy figures. I was wondering whether any of the people we saw are going to be making cameos in later episodes, perhaps. For example. Carrie Adloyd was there and I think we see her. That's a minor spoiler, I don't think that gives anything away massively 'cause mm. you wouldn't know what she's what the context of her being in it is. So yeah, it it's it'll be interesting if there are any other people that are at the screening if they appear in later episodes.
4: Yeah, I saw Monty Don, the BBC gardening expert. It seemed a bit weird that he was there, so I ah, wonder if he's going to pop up in a gardening no, no, he, segment he, he later actually, in one of the episodes. Uh,
2: yeah, I was going to ask the group about that, actually. I, I thought I also thought Monty Don being there was quite odd, but I did find uh, he posted an Instagram that evening, and he wrote, Great night celebrating the long-awaited return of Alan Partridge to the BBC, flattered to be playing a tiny part. So that ah. is a spoiler, but that's a spoiler from Monty Don, not us. So... BBC Um, taken up with him the BBC press team are furious although
0: that does uh, that does lead us nicely into an element of this time that's worth talking about so uh, we predicted that as with Knowing Me Knowing You we would have uh, guests on the show this time played by actors and that has turned out to be the case but we did also guess in our preview episode that there might be some other BBC uh, celebrities playing themselves in in cameo roles and that's also turned out to be true so we know that Monty Don has confirmed himself Uh, we can also tell you that, that Emily Maitlis of Newsnight uh, features in an episode and she's also the person who's conducting the Q&A with Steve yeah. and the directors after the screening uh, so you can expect some familiar BBC probably more BBC One I guess mainstream faces dropping in throughout the series we yeah. expect
2: I'm just trying to think if there are any uh, any other key names that we missed out from who we saw I mean Alan Yentob was there but I think Alan Yentob oh, yeah. literally turns up to anything that happens at the BBC yeah. mm-hmm. um, oh yeah so Reese Thomas who uh, is in Swiss Tony and various other comedy roles uh, really should have done the IMDB research Uh, anyway oh and uh, Hugh Skinner who plays Will in uh, W1A oh yeah he was in front of us wasn't he Um, Yep. I think those were the yeah so basically you've got the whole gambit from Noel Gallagher to Ben Elton to Monty Don you've got everyone
0: (laughs) the holy trinity (laughs) yeah pretty Um, much Let's talk a little bit about, obviously, we, or everybody already knows that Psychic Simon features in the series, and so does Lynn. Let's talk a little bit about how much of them we, uh, people can expect to see. Um, yeah, so we know now that this time, the fictional show within the show, uh, basically unfolds in real time. So what you're seeing is half an hour as it happens, um, which is that, I guess, apart from knowing me knowing you, that's a format they've never done before, because even morning Matters, they would cut from, from scene to scene. Yeah, it, it, it it's
2: a brand new take on it and I think it's 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 very inventively done and I don't want to spoil too much about how it develops but the fact that it kind of it doesn't really drag you out to any other places I thought was just yeah it's a slightly different twist on that kind of behind the scenes take on comedy I thought it was very very cleverly done.
4: Yeah, because obviously with shows, you know, this is, this is clearly a bit of a parody of the one show. So if you imagine the one show when they throw to the VTs, when they throw to the you know TV articles, if you want to call them that, you stay in the studio. You don't go to that video clip. Yes. You stay so in the you, studio so and you, you see hear, what happens.
2: Yeah, so it's like if you were a member of the crew in the studio, you hear what they're chatting about technically off camera.
0: Yeah, Yeah. while the this time viewers, in inverted commas, are watching something else. And that also is the way that they justify Lynn's involvement. I think it's a very clever way because it would be unnatural, I think, uh, against God, uh, to have Lynn (laughs) on camera as part of the actual show this time. But obviously, uh, when when you're seeing the kind of candid moments in the studio and she's just popping on to kind of give Alan some Mm -hmm. advice or a pep talk, that's much more natural.
2: Yeah, and I I think we'll have lots more to say about Lynn in the next couple of weeks because we don't want to give away too much today. No, no.
0: Um, so, shall we move on to some of the things that were talked about in the Q and A with Steve Coogan and the Gibbons brothers uh, after the screenings?
2: Uh, yeah. So, to, just to give a quick overview, that basically the way it played out was after being in this kind of holding area of a, where there were bars, uh, there was a bar with drinks and snacks, and all the Alan cut cardboard cutouts, everyone getting selfies and all that sort of stuff. We then got taken into the BBC Radio Theatre, and there was an introductory speech given from. Uh, Shane, um, Shane Allen, who's the controller of comedy for the BBC, um, just teeing up that we were going to see episode one and episode two. So, uh, they then showed those episodes back to back. Then we had the Q and A, which was hosted by Emily Maitlis. And that was with, uh, Steve Coogan, Susanna Fielding, and, uh, both of the Gibbons brothers. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So a bit of a real life Tony Hares doing the intro. <laughs> I guess so, yeah. (laughs) Exactly that. I think he did refer to Tony Hares as well, uh, falling off the roof trying to fix
2: his aerial. Yeah, Yeah, and he did also refer to uh, the stringent security measures by by making some kind of joke about them (laughs) being the target of the IRA, which I thought did set up the evening in quite an odd
0: atmosphere yeah. to be honest <laughs> um, he also didn't, at one point didn't he beg everyone to find it funny I mean spoiler alert there was no need to beg it, we'll, 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 get, we'll get on to our, spe- we'll get our on specific to reactions yeah um, so the, so yeah Emily Maitlis uh, was doing the Q&A um, having just cameoed in one of the episodes that we saw um, they talk a little bit about the state that Alan, that we find Alan in um, so, I mean, the Gibbons brothers mentioned that he's he basically Alan has a great ability to readjust his idea of what success is based on the situation that he's in. So he's 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 been he's kind of settled up to this point into being content with being on uh, digital local radio. Uh, you know, that's kind of he's happy with his with his lot. But then mm. so this has almost come as a bit of a kind of jarring surprise that he's been offered this kind of temporary takeover spot on on bbc tv and um we'll get onto it when we talk about the trailer but i think that's kind of instilled annan with a bit of a sense of wide-eyed panic that you know for the first time ever he's been given an opportunity that he he wasn't he hadn't been desperately angling for
2: yeah i mean i i think i i think with the particularly the beginning section of the q a and a lot of the scene setting that um steve coogan laid out was definitely the sort of stuff we've been reading and hearing in the press over the last few months. So all that thing about the context of him being a uh, him being a host that a, a Brexit voting British public could identify with. And uh, the thing about, um, there's a phrase when he said about like shooting fish in a barrel, so just not actually lampooning Bre- Brexiteers and stuff like that, but just them giving a justification for why it's happened. Um, and I do think having having seen it now, it's very clever that that they've made such a laboured point of that in the press because you kind of do need that context for it to make real sense in the part traverse, as it were. But obviously, that isn't, from what we've seen, that isn't going to be directly referenced on screen about why they decided he actually was suitable 25 years down the line.
4: Mm-hmm. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think there is actually... I don't think the word Brexit is mentioned at all in the two episodes that we watched. No. Was it? No, no. exactly. No, so that, that's, that's, that's what I'm
2: saying. It, there, there's, it's quite a nice piece of extra content... content and extra piece of context to make it work, but it's something that you need to... you kind of need to have that knowledge. If, if you're a Partridge fan and would actually care why, why should this make sense, you need to have paid attention to that. But, um, yeah, I just thought... To begin with, the Q&A just felt like Steve was trotting out a lot of the usual lines, which, which he's already used in the press. Um, so what else do they
0: cover? Um, I got the feeling that... Uh, they were talking a lot to uh, Susanna Fielding about the sort of nuance of her performance, because obviously she, uh, primarily in this, is having to sort of maintain a, a face of professionalism, hold this uh, the, the show this time together. But she also has to give away in kind of the odd glance and very kind of subtle ways... Her growing annoyance mm. with Alan and having to sort of correct him, but uh, and also, I mean, she's not entirely blameless in the show, is she? It's no, not definitely of, not. It's not the case that Alan is, is, is a terrible broadcaster, and she is entirely the consummate professional. There is a bit of give and take that, that you come to find out about.
4: Yeah, she's not exactly an angel, is she? In terms of <laughs> you know her broadcasting professionalism, shall we say? No, um, and, and you even hmm. get a hint of that
0: in the trailer, which we'll talk about in
4: a bit. Yeah, yeah, you do, and you also. Do. And also, um, again, kind of spoiler alert. I think she's absolutely brilliant in the two episodes that we saw.
0: Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. I would agree. I, think I would agree. The sort of straight woman role is, is I think, is, is a very difficult one to play, especially when you're alongside an established comedy property, if you like, like Alan. Yeah. Is.
2: Yeah, but I think so. I think the context in the Q and A they were talking about that. Um, yeah, she had to do a lot of auditions on tape, so it was all it was. It's all about the facial acting with her character and. And yeah, I think when everyone gets to these episodes, you'll see exactly what we mean, because yeah, there's that double, there's a duality to it, isn't there? There's how she'd be reacting in real world and how she has to act so the comedy of the moment also gets across, yeah. So yeah, it was really interesting to hear from uh, newer people to it, like Susanna Fielding, about how the whole process of coming into Partridge has happened, really. And I did also think, I don't know what you guys thought of this, but just hearing the Gibbons brothers talk about the show, it really struck me how much they're fans of what they're creating. Do you know what I mean? I feel like there's a real passion there that I don't know you'd always you'd always feel if you were at some kind of Q&A screening type thing.
5: It felt like we'd been robbed of that um, writing gig, essentially, hearing two <laughs> fans up on stage, just thinking it
0: could have been us. <laughs> it, really it still couldn't. might
5: be. It still
3: might
0: be one day. <laughs> yeah. um, um, I, Steve,
5: we are available. Yeah, I su- no chance.
0: I suppose the, uh, the, the Gibbons writing this is actually a very unique situation in comedy I mean there may be a few other examples but I don't think there's many examples of uh, a comedy character becoming incredibly big and then people who are effectively fans of it the first time around becoming actual mm. writers of it in future I mean not to make them sound like you know, they're kind of competition winners or anything they're, their work is astonishing and I think they've created the best partridge there's ever been but <laughs> it is, go, I think that perhaps comes as a result of they, they grew up knowing him as a character
5: Yeah, it's like you see it with kind of like Lord and Miller who write for Marvel or, you know, the Gibbon brothers. It it just feels like they are fans at heart who are in the privileged position of writing what is essentially, you know, their dream characters. And that kind of shines through in the comedy that they write because they understand the character. They understand the narrative. They understand the world and as a result, the output is just really
4: strong. I also think think that Steve still has a massive passion for the character. I still think that comes across in that, you know, he's always Mm. said that he never wants to do something Alan-related unless it makes him laugh and, like, is is interesting or different for him, which I guess at this point, however many years down the line, at least two decades, you've got to be doing something different to change it up because you can't just rehash the old stuff because people would pick him up on it.
5: I think as well, he... I assumed he was a bit of a kind of cynical, you know, doing it for the money. But hearing him talk about the character and why he chooses to do it, I actually kind of do genuinely believe that he likes to kind of balance out, you know, the serious work that he now, you know, is largely known for in terms of his Hollywood output versus what is essentially, ultimately, a bit of fun and a character that he clearly has a lot of passion and affection for. And ultimately, yes, it probably pays quite well, but it's not just uh, a (laughs) I'm sure he's still paid handsomely but he's not just doing it for the money essentially
2: I think that's something he did talk about kind of at the the top of the Q&A and like I say one of those things that he has said in other interviews but yeah it's kind of he can go away and do a Hollywood project and come back to this and it's it's something he can return to for the love of it Um, so yeah and he he, I mean he talked a bit at the top of the Q&A about about the grounding of the Alan character this time round so that thing when he's talking about how Alan, like just things like Alan's the pronunciation, his accent, where he's kind of a lower middle class trying to be upper class, which is why you get the hawat and all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and he talked about Alan, like Alan now in 2018, 2019, uh, always trying to do or say the right thing. But obviously, the comedy lies in he never actually gets it right. But there is now, there's an awareness that the character has developed that wasn't there back in. Back in the 90s. Um, yeah. And they, they also went, I, I think, I can't remember who said this, whether Steve said it or whether, whether one of the Gibbons brothers said it, but um, even most racists know what they can or can't say out loud. So that kind of thing about just trying to be right. Um, they also talked about uh, this line, Alan isn't gay, but he's scared he might be, which again, I didn't think had any real relevance to what we'd seen um, no, in the this no. time stuff, but
0: I've 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 heard them say that uh, before in, in in the press around previous uh, series yeah. where it's perhaps more relevant. Yeah, um, so I, yeah. I guess they were doing a bit of scene setting. Yeah. The other thing they mentioned as well, a, a, a nice a, a line that I took away from this uh, was that, um, this is a direct quote, they said uh, that in, in 2019 the world has aligned more along Allen lines. Uh, mm. There are more people in the press now, I mean certainly around kind of political issues, that are more Alan-esque. There yeah. are a lot more people who are confused about how to do the right thing. You know, people, there are lots of people railing against political correctness but there are also people like Alan who are sort of you know, know that they have to try and and toe an acceptable line, but don't quite know how to go about it. So, he, you know, yeah, but effectively, he was kind of a man out on a limb on his own. And now it feels like, they're, you know, he's a recognisable type in society at large, I think. Yeah, yeah, it's a good point.
2: Um, some, something major, which we uh, really should uh, report back on. Uh, very pleased to say that Coogan's accent seems to have returned to normal now. <laughs> not like uh, the crazy hodgepodge that we heard on the Mark Maron interview.
0: <laughs> As Stan and Ollie' press tour fades into the distance, yeah. <laughs> and Alan becomes more and more a part of it, um, um, is it time to drop a very important bombshell about a beloved character? Yes, go on, Adam. Uh, so I was I was genuinely amazed to hear this. We've been told by uh, by Simon Greenall, aka Michael the Geordie, back on our live episode that uh, that we believed that Michael was no more after seeing him jump off the pier uh, in Alpha Papa. <laughs> oh shit. Exactly. Um, I'm pretty sure since then we heard that confirmed by uh, other people who who are who are intimate in the Allens world, only to find at the Q&A that uh, Steve said, I qu- and I quote, we still have plans for Michael. So I didn't, yeah. get, the imp- I didn't get the impression we we're going to see him in this series, but I did get the impression that maybe he's not as dead as we thought he was.
2: Yeah, I I I, mm. I wrote that uh, well, uh, after they said they had plans, then Neil Gibbons was very much at pains to say Michael is missing presumed dead. Yeah, so well, em, I wonder if, em, 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 just em, Emily Maitlis, if there's a way uh, to get him back
0: in. Em, Emily Maitlis said said oh yeah and as we know you know Michael's dead and then and then she was corrected by one mm. of the Gibbons who said mm. presumed dead. Yeah. So very yeah. interesting.
5: Also, I was um, I was watching uh, Sunderland till I die, uh, the Netflix documentary before we came on uh, the call tonight, and something that I spotted in there that I never knew kind of what the reference uh, was to. Um, in the episode in the Travel Tavern where Michael convinces Alan to steal a traffic <laughs> cone, uh, you may or may not remember that he shouts How are you, the lads!" as they exit. Yeah. Uh, that is basically uh, above the kind of tunnel as the players go out onto the pitch at Sunderland Football Club. A
2: true Geordie saying.
4: Yeah, it's yeah. Uh, it's it's a known phrase for Newcastle and Sunderland, the Northeastern general, who the lads supporting their football teams. I mean, I had no there idea. You go. Absolutely no idea. I'll be honest. I'm surprised you're watching Sunderland till I die as someone <laughs> who has no interest in football. <laughs>
5: It's good. It's, yeah, but that's at the hallmark of a good documentary. That to be interested in the subject matter, it can just tell an interesting story. And I'm enjoying it Fair so point. far. Thank you. Uh,
0: anything else from this Q and A to discuss?
2: Uh, I've got a couple of other notes. Um, I thought they they had some interesting things to say about Lynn. And like, like I say, we don't want to go in too. We don't want to go too in depth on Lynn because we'll definitely co- be covering her a lot more. But um, both the Gibbs brothers. By the brothers way, that and, sounded
0: that sounded filthy. What you just said
2: we we'll can get Jed to edit round it. Thanks, Jed. <laughs> um, yeah, but both the Gibbons brothers and uh, Coogan said that they, they never considered Lynn was really a bullied character, uh, which I thought was interesting, because I'm not sure I actually agree with that. I think she is quite bullied in the, in the 90s incarnations of Partridge. Definitely. Um, mm. But they, they did say that she would always put Alan first, but she wasn't bullied by him. So, I mean, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out in the This Time episodes, uh, I think, when, the, yeah. when uh, the viewers get to it. There are lots of things to yeah. talk about.
0: I'd, I'd say she wasn't bullied on, on the Gibbons brothers' watch, particularly, but certainly before they were writing Partridge, uh, she absolutely yeah. was.
2: Yeah, I'd, I'd say so, which I think would make sense when you've got the Gibbons saying it because they're writing a different era, but Coogan was very much aligned with them as well. And I, I think, I, I, think I think as well,
0: <laughs> for, from Lynn's point of view you don 't have to know that you 're being bullied for it to be bullying, I think perhaps she 's not aware
2: yeah. that she 's being mistreated, but she is i mean it 's nine and a half thousand pounds I, I thought there were a few interesting insights into the writing process and just a kind of some behind the scenes insights into how it all came together. Uh, it was very interesting. They were talking about how they designed the studio, so it was uh, they, they basically chose a studio that was too big and left lots of awkward space, and they even had uh they even had meetings determining things like the dimensions of the steps on the set. Uh they made them an awkward height and length so you can only walk on them in an awkward way. Something like you can only do you have to do like one step and three steps and something like that. And I'm pretty sure they did something similar with the steps in Knowing Me, Knowing You as well
4: yeah yeah they did yeah I remember the steps whenever they intro a guest or whenever Alan intro a guest sorry uh, I think I found it out on the commentary yeah they said that yeah, the, the, the right. steps were weirdly spaced and it was quite an awkward walk down yeah, see, like, so it made them walk two, a little bit funny.
2: one and three or whatever but yeah they kind of employed the same thing in this time which again you will eventually see um, but I thought it was really interesting the fact that they're saying like They've all sat in meetings and like discussed that at length. So there is such an attention to detail to the visual comedy of those sort of elements as well.
0: Didn't they say as well that while they were discussing set design, uh, the people involved were saying it's great. We've you know we've we planned out this studio that's going to be that it's going to be almost the identical st- kind of studio they use in the one show, and then they had to say, "Well, no, no, we don't want that. We want something yeah. that's that's that's." unnaturally extended and, and yes. awkward for the purposes of comedy yeah exactly it's, it's that. nice that the, the physicality of the set is even providing jokes at this point as well
2: um I, I thought we should probably also just briefly discuss so obviously anyone that's seen the trailer and we talked about it a bit it's heavily based upon and influenced by the one show but i think what became apparent during the Q and A as well that how much of an influence Good Morning Britain has had on the writing process. And I feel like perhaps that's happened whilst they've been writing and filming it over the last, what, 18 months, two years, however long the development's been. Um, because if we got further into the Q&A, they, made a, they, they did make quite a few references. So even though the show format and the styling is very one-show reminiscent, the way the characters interplay, the way, the way um, uh, Susanna Fielding and Steve Coogan interplay with each other... It's actually a lot more like Piers Morgan and Susanna Reid on Good Morning Britain, I thought. Mm, and that, yeah, that and th- seemed to be what they were. They, they, they didn't say that explicitly, but they referenced it so many times in the Q&A. Well, that that I, 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 think,
0: I think they almost did reference it explicitly. I think that Susanna Fielding at one point said that, um, that part of her research had been trying to work out how, uh, how, how uh, Piers Morgan's oh, co-presenter yeah. could possibly stand it every day.
2: You're right, she did. Yeah, she did. Um a couple of other bits about the writing. I noticed they said they were writing episodes down to the last minute, which seems to occur in every incarnation of Partridge ever, yeah. <laughs> regardless of who's writing it. Um, got but form. then but then I thought what was interesting. They said that so even if they've been writing down to the wire, nothing in the show was actually improvised. So everything was still tightly scripted to, to hit beats uh, to hit beats and uh, edit points and what have you. But it, but it would also when they were talking about it. It seems like they did also discard and change lines whilst they were filming as well. Because they talked about the phrase "discarding your children," so you'd get up to filming thinking you had a really great piece of script, and at the last minute go, "Actually, we're going to change that line." But I guess the changes must have been small enough that they wouldn't term it as being improvised on the day, because they seem to be quite clear on that.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I think I think it was. Uh... They, yeah, they they did the improvising happened before they got to the stage, but I think they maybe filmed things that they realised didn't work on set, and they got rid of yeah, them. Yeah, or,
2: or maybe or maybe a few different versions of things, because I think I think didn't they didn't the Gibbons and Coogan talk about that. Sometimes they'd have to almost take a vote on something that would make it into an episode. And
0: yeah, because they were saying it's, it's easier that there's three of them. <laughs> so yeah. it's very easy but, to make a, a hard decision.
2: <laughs> but then after that, also King did say, although there are a few things where he preferred other versions, but he hadn't been in the edit that day. So obviously that, <laughs> there wasn't a fully democratic process.
0: No, no, very true. Um, anything else from the Q&A or should we talk about this trailer? One final point as well that they mentioned was um, the
5: need to employ uh, an archivist. um, Essentially a recognition on their part that even they lose track of the Alan timeline in terms of his uh, younger years as well as his latter years because when they come to make jokes, they need to remember what they've said previously. um, And, you know, obviously Steve isn't worrying about this 24-7, so they actually have someone that they employ to literally be on hands to sense check the the, the the jokes
4: which is you know good for us because we actually get stuff wrong and people correct us so you know even the gibbons get stuff wrong and have to check it with an archivist we don't yeah. have an archivist so they're
0: already one up yeah. on us <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> doesn't also yeah. doesn't it just make could, you could jez be the archivist <laughs> doesn't it just make you feel better that somewhere out there someone's job is alan historian <laughs> yeah. how, again how is that not us <laughs> i would visit that museum as well <laughs> that oh, archivist yeah. should Definitely. start a little museum <laughs> Uh, um, so let's talk about the trailer shall we it's 40 yeah. seconds long it's, it's very much a teaser it's all one scene uh, I think it's safe for us to say that this is actually the opening 40 seconds of the first episode um, yes so it, it, it won't spoil too much um I think, it's, I think it's very well put together. When I saw it as part of the episode, I, lo- I enjoyed it. But I think as a trailer, it does so much legwork in those 40 seconds. You're, mm. you're introduced as co-presenter. You get a sense of her personality. You get a feeling of the blind panic of him being <laughs> thrust back into live telly. Yeah. Um, you get a, a bit of a sense of, of how the show is gonna you know gonna gonna roll out in terms of how the, the time scale and that it goes out live and that sort of thing. Um, but it also does, it's funny, but it doesn't give away any kind of big jokes. Uh, I, I thought it worked really well. Yeah. agreed.
5: Yeah, I mean it's it's literally you know a teaser, um, and it's it it says so little and so much at the same time. It's kind of the perfect teaser yeah. trailer, um, and as a and as an opener, um, it also serves the episode very well. As I, I think.
2: Yeah, it, it it's per it's perfect for both those. Uh, re, uh, it's perfect for both those uses, isn't it? And I think when when yeah. people get to watch the first will... episode, you could almost watch that again and realise how much they've actually managed to put in, just with subtle bits of conversation yeah. and eye contact and stuff like that. Yeah. And
5: and even though it's impossible if you only have seen that to really get a sense of the series, I think hopefully it it reassures everyone that you know. Even though it doesn't tell you very much, even though there aren't actually any overt jokes in there, it's still actually really funny. Just seeing Alan essentially being terrified about the prospect of being back on live TV. <laughs> yeah, yes. Um, uh,
0: right down to things like the uh, the makeup lady uh, mentioning, "Oh yeah, you were on that thing mid morning matters." You know, just kind of reframing the last thing most people saw of mm. Alan as uh, uh, you know, just to remind you where you are in the storyline of of his life. Yeah,
5: and it's it's really nice to see that they don't just kind of you know. Uh, that hasn't been just whitewashed from history. That's that is It's still a part of where he's been, where he's come from, and where he kind of is as well. It's not just been forgotten about and that's just been ignored.
2: See, I, I wonder if it was different writers, so say if like the Gibbons weren't doing this, whether they would kind of have whitewashed Mid-Morning Matters. Because obviously with it being on Sky Atlantic, not the BBC, they could kind of just bypass that entirely. But I, I think it's much better that they haven't. I was
4: su- I was surprised yeah. that they actually mentioned Mid Morning Matters because, as you know from our episodes, we went through the viewing figures and not many people
0: <laughs> actually saw them. So, well, not many people m- might not you actually be aware
4: of Mid Morning Matters.
0: Let's not forget that Mid Morning Matters is also the basis for Alpha Papa, which a lot of people would have seen and known about. Yeah. So, I think they had to, yeah. they had to include it.
2: And I, I think let, let's hope that genuinely something like this existing on BBC One is going to draw people back to what arguably is lesser seen Partridge because it's is of just as high quality, but, you know, it wasn't on BBC two or BBC one. Yeah.
0: And, and ho- let's hope that it also drives people to, uh, the internet's premier Alan Partridge fan <laughs> <brand> podcast. <laughs> we can only hope. <laughs> so, uh, anything else to talk about ahead of the new series? If not, I think the next time people hear us is going to be after episode one goes out on to internet slash to airwaves.
2: I, I think the only, the only thing that I, I thought was just interesting from being at the, at the screening event. And, you know, like we, like we talked about the, a genuinely exciting buzzy atmosphere being there like it felt like a proper exciting event to be a part of and you could tell like there was such an amped up atmosphere in the night that I think we definitely missed some of the jokes due to overriding laughter going on other lines of dialogue and things like that and that that thing about I think when people are at a screening they are prone to overreact perhaps so it will be interesting to see how different the experience is watching it at home in on on the sofa mm. you know but I mean yeah. I was just over the moon with how, how good I thought it all was from from being there that night. Um, and just seeing Alan in HD as well, you know, to think over over the years, he's gone from 4'3 to 16'9 to full HD. It just felt quite odd seeing him so big and so... In so such... massive. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, basically And that, And
0: yeah. he did look scared. He was saying, why am I so massive? <laughs> <laughs> Genuinely. <laughs> uh,
4: yeah, just to echo Tom's thoughts. I mean, people have, you know, my friends have asked me, is it good is it good and i've just kind of said to them you've got nothing to worry about
0: don't yeah, worry that's, it's that's, great that's yeah. exactly it isn't it yeah
4: you're in yeah, safe hands yeah.
0: and you're going to get a healthy dose of tim key in each episode you're going to get a delicious smattering of lynn uh you're going to have uh <laughs> guests played by actors that you, you probably recognize and a couple of bbc cameos along the way as well if the first two episodes are anything to go by we're all in for a treat uh, in the coming weeks um, so, I think that's just about it. Uh, you can get in yeah. touch with us on social media at Monkey Tennis Pod on Instagram, at uh, The Partridge Pod on Twitter, Facebook.com slash The Partridge Pod, or The Partridge at Gmail.com. We also have the Monkey Tennis Hotline. I'll now
2: throw to my colleague Tom Dark for the number. That's right, Adam. You can call us on 07923 600 017. That's 07923 600 uh, If you leave us a voicemail or send us a voice note via the medium of WhatsApp, if it's good enough, we're hoping we'll be able to use it in an upcoming episode.
0: And if it's not good enough, we'll probably still use it in an upcoming episode. <laughs> um, we're especially interested in your, in your first look reactions to episode one of this time. So do call us ASAP and you might make it onto uh, that week's episode. We'd yep. love to uh, hear from you. So uh, that's it. Tom staff has a terrible hangover <laughs> and so we need to end the episode before he bombs in a bucket. Uh, from all of us at Monkey Contenders, the Alan Adam, I've got, Excuse podcast. me, I,
4: I may have been out drinking last night,
0: but I have the flu and I'm ready for bed. Oh, he has the violins. Flu. The, in- the Instagram stories say something markedly different. <laughs> uh, from all of us at Monkey Tennis, thanks and goodbye.
2: Goodbye! Goodbye!
3: goodbye. Aha! Dan! Monkey Tennis? In no way, you big spastic. you're a mentalist! Dan! Don't know, that was the noise. Monkey Tennis? I got uh, really drunk last night. Sick everywhere. Monkey tennis? Uh, minor is more distance between the eggs and the beans. Monkey tennis? I wish things had turned out differently, but I'm glad they didn't. Monkey tennis? Where's my assistant? I do not know. You're a packing, basically, beef tea. Yeah, 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 yeah. Are you on an E? Monkey tennis? Back of the net.